Hello and good afternoon, colleagues. Welcome to another new episode of the Quest for Excellence series brought to you by Intellectus Consulting. This is episode number 16 in the series of season one. The season kicked off in July. Until date, we have aired 15 episodes. Each of these episodes has received a tremendous amount of feedback, positive acclaim, and thanks to all our viewers who have sent in their words of encouragement and support for this unique endeavor that we embarked upon in July. It is very humbling to receive a lot of praise, a lot of positive and constructive feedback and comments on our YouTube channel, on our website, and also on our LinkedIn posts every time we put out these episodes. As I had mentioned in the very first episode of this series, which kicked off on July 1st, the Quest for Excellence series is a very, very humble and honest endeavor on the part of my organization to not only raise, but also improve the standards of marketing excellence in the industry. When I talk of excellence, it is excellence across all domains, be it marketing excellence or brand building excellence, commercial excellence, leadership excellence, and all these domains are extremely important for the running of a successful organization. Till date, we have had outstanding business leaders come in from both Indian, domestic, and multinational pharmaceutical companies share their views around very important topics such as brand building, brand marketing, commercial excellence, strategy, and leadership. All the uh, episodes have featured these leaders who have very willingly, honestly, and forthrightly shared their views around these contemporary topics. My guest for today is another accomplished professional in our industry. He has spent over 20, 21 years across functions of sales, learning and development, and is currently the commercial capability building lead for one of India's most respected biotechnology companies, that is Biocon Limited, based out of Bangalore. Friends, my guest for today is Mr. K.S. Srinivas. He is the global commercial capability building lead for Biocon Biologics, based out of Bangalore. I've had the opportunity to know Srinivas for the past 25 years now. Right from the time he started out as an MBA trainee and then worked his way up through the ranks of the industry and has had a stellar career in the last 20 plus years. Srinivas joined Astra Ideal as a professional service representative way back in 1995 and worked in Gulbarga headquarters as a medical rep for almost one and a half years. Later on, he moved to Novo Nordisk, where he had an outstanding successful stint for 14 years, first in the sales and then in the training function. He joined Novo Nordisk as a marketing executive and later on became a first-line business manager. And after a very successful stint in sales, decided to opt his career calling in sales training. He joined the head office here in Bangalore as a sales training manager and eventually wound up as the general manager or head 
for learning and capabilities and training function for Novo Nordisk. After an outstanding 14 years stint with Novo Nordisk, Srinivas joined Biocon Limited about eight years ago as the Associate Director for LND and training function, primarily looking after building capabilities of the sales force for Biocon. And that includes all divisions and all business units. He has grown through the ranks of this organization, overseeing not only functions of capability building, training, but also organizational development and LND functions. Srinivas brings in a very rare combination of not only eight years of first line sales management experience, but almost about the remaining 13 years in LND. And so he has this unique combination which helps him look at both pieces of the funnel, which is marketing excellence and Salesforce execution excellence. Today, I shall be sharing this episode with him in trying to understand what it takes to be not only a good marketeer in terms of the top end of the funnel, which is developing great strategies, but more importantly, how do you ensure to deliver execution excellence? It's a great pleasure to have Srinivas on our show and uh, let's get talking with him straight away. Good. So um, Srinivas, uh, thank you so much for having accepted our invite to be a part of the Quest for Excellence series. It is great to have you on our series as one of the, you know, really accomplished uh, and, uh, you know, uh, successful leaders in our industry. When one sees your um, journey over the last two decades plus, you know, you had a beginning in sales with uh, companies like AstraZeneca and then Novo Nordisk and then wound yourself into the training function, made it your uh, career calling and then you excelled yourself so well and then you went on to head the training and L&D functions in, uh, in Novo Nordisk and now you know, you had not only the LND OD, but also the entire capability building function for Biocon. So, you know, our viewers would actually, uh, you know, they have been exposed to uh, previous episodes on this series where leaders come and, you know, they share their life's journey with, our, uh, with them. And, you know, essentially around what it takes to drive, you know, or achieve standards of excellence. So it's going to be an, an interaction which, Everyone looks forward to, and certainly uh, from you because you are a you know an LND uh, professional. So it would always be interesting to hear your thoughts around you know capability building. Actually, I would like to say that pleasure is all mine. You know, having uh, been in touch with uh, professionals, uh, it, pharma is a small world, and of course, we are part of the small world. Uh, yes, uh, you're right that uh, I've been working with these two companies for a large uh, you know, period of time. Uh, however, uh, the growth has been from sales to training and we will talk more about it. Yes, so nice. So, uh, you know, I want to kickstart our conversation, uh, Srinivas, today by, you know, uh, turning the clock back, you know, uh, when you started your career way back in the, uh, in the 90s. And I know it's always nice to look back and probably... Uh, see from a different perspective than what it was when you actually began that journey. But then you always have that benefit of hindsight, isn't it? So, yes, um, so uh, when you started your career, and I see that 
you had a very rich and successful stint of almost about eight and a half to nine years in sales, right? About a year and a half at Astra and, and, and a significant time in Novo Nordisk, first as a marketing executive and then as a frontline business manager. So uh, eight years is a good time to spend in sales, learn the nuances. So my first question is, uh, was it by design or you just were playing it out and then looking for the next best opportunity to move into something that would be your calling. How was it uh, at that point of time when you were in the sales role? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, uh, not by design. Okay. Uh, I, you know, picked up uh, sales in the beginning because uh, pharmacy after education, uh, as a choice, sales was the first career where I started. And um, uh, I also, you know, left Astra to complete MBA and was doing a project with you also in, you know, good old days, uh, still remember on uh, brand building with uh, AstraZeneca. The actual ambition was how do I shape up my career from sales to marketing? However, my dual specialization uh, during the MBA, which helped me to learn also human resource. Okay. At one point of time, I had it in mind that is there, you know, while this is my primary driver, uh, carve out a career from sales to marketing, but it happened after a few days when, uh, you know, because it's a long tenure and uh, no one artist, uh, honestly uh, had a culture of uh, helping uh, people explore their true potential, not necessarily based on their qualifications, but based on their passion and interest. Uh, in one of the assessment center, uh, which happened in uh, Indian Institute of Management, Bangalore, a professor, uh, you know, showed me that my score was the highest in people development. Okay. So they assessed for different competencies and he said, this one peaks, uh, you know, highest in the, the group itself. So the feedback came and that's when the you know feedback started working on my mind and I was looking for an opportunity to use that as a strength rather than just chasing what I want. I thought maybe tapping into what is natural for me would be an interesting career choice and uh, eventually one day it happened that I got a chance and then shifted the boat from uh, you know from sales to training and uh, within six months I understood that it was a good decision uh, turned out to be that uh, you know I really love what I do so being there from then uh, onwards from the last uh, one and a half decades this has been really interesting uh, to kickstart the conversation because uh, that was obviously I was going to ask the next question is you know after just eight years of being in sales function at a very young age I'm sure you know, you decide to take your career on a trajectory of training and development of people, where in those days, it was considered something as a resting position for senior regional and area managers of 40, 45 years, of 15 years, Chalo head office, mein aajao, now do some training for the salespeople. But I, 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 I'm really impressed that you took this calling based upon the feedback you got at a, at the IMB assessment center and you decided to act on it. You decided to, you know, put your mind into it and then you said, yes, I will shape it. And it takes, it takes a lot actually, because rather than just chasing what the world is probably chasing or, you know, what you want to do, you decided to go with that recommendation. 
right? How did this happen, Srinivas? I mean, what does it take to do this? This is something I would want to know. What does it take? I mean, was it just that you put faith into that or what was it? I think uh, in the beginning, it, it's, it is not as easy as I am saying now today. Okay. Uh, it's quite natural to have butterflies or even eagles, <laughs> not only butterflies, <laughs> in the stomach uh, to, you know, uh, go on the hunch what you are getting. I did uh, also hear many people within my friends, colleagues, well-wishers saying, probably it's not the best decision you, you, you know. Uh, yes, the same words. Training is for someone, it's like a parking lot and, uh, you know, uh, okay, after 10-15 years of experience, if you still want to do this, you can. But why when you are still, you know, so young? Early 30s, I think, uh, quite young and kicking. So, uh, but uh, yes, uh, the only thing which kept me there was the interest in the role. Yes. In fact, um, we used to run, the initial project was uh, obviously in pharma training, what happens is the first responsibility is to build uh, newcomers into productive employees. So obviously that was the first project which I also started working upon as a training uh, professional. Uh, we would have batches month after month, month after month, month after month. Given the attrition in pharma industry or tune of 25-30% uh, for a field force of 1000 or so, that means uh, you know in a year 250 to 300 people and in a month easily 30-40 new employees. So, uh, while others would say, how do you do it repeatedly, uh, you know, every month? But it, uh, uh, it, it was never, uh, you know, uh, same for me. Because every batch is different. Every person is different. Their needs are different. So, uh, I just listened to probably what my heart says that go on, you know. Uh, rather than growth, at that point of time, my focus was on excelling what I take up. And uh, first eight years, it also taught me that uh, if, you know, one of the tough lessons what we learned there is learning is not just limited to the academic years. Rather, it must be also an equal focus when you are working. And if you learn regularly, probably growth chances are higher. Having come from an humble background and also qualified from average, uh, you know, schools, colleges, so, uh, very honestly, I can say that there was any, uh, you know, initial hesitation to uh, face people who were from IIMs and who were from, you know, uh, Premier Institute. But I realized that uh, if I have hunger for learning continuously, okay, I one day, you know, will not be lagging behind. <laughs> So, very honest submission. I think uh, that's what I'm saying. But if I look forward, uh, look back in that one and a half years uh, journey, training has moved from good to have department to must to have. If uh, organizations have to survive today constant changes, they need the employees constantly learn. And uh, pharma is no different than any other industry. The changes are quite frequent. We are witnessing VUCA like anything. And if uh, organization has to sustain, live and grow, they have to learn. And if they have to learn, they need learning professionals. And I think I see uh, more uh, logic, uh, you know, and that's why training has moved in the last two decades from good to have to must have. I'm happy to be here uh, in this space, uh, you know, uh, looking back. Very nice. No, I think uh, two very important points or messages that 
you have uh, set out at the beginning of our conversation today is one is that you loved what you did and that is to build and develop people it is not everybody's cup of tea to be honest it is very easily said but it can't be done because you've got to be committed to it and i think what you said is very important you loved what you did because you wanted to pursue it you are committed to the cause of building and developing people and i think second very important point that i made note of what you said is you were hungry for learning so even your humble background made you said that i want to keep learning and invest in learning for the first 8 9 years before you set up i think these two traits i think they are uh, i think shrinivas for me these two traits uh, you know are Uh, what you call as non-negotiables. No matter how fancy as an industry we will become, digital industry, you know, go-to-market models may change strategically, but the individual needs to have these two traits. I mean, would you agree that basically when you enter and when you want to build your career, right? I think you summarized it beautifully. It was standing on these two pillars. Uh, many times we don't realize what is good for now. We may think it is, uh, you know, challenge. but uh, uh, working on that becomes our strength in future so being humble uh, in the past uh, probably gave me strength to you know not lose focus on self development right that brings me to the second piece of the same point of discussion shrinivas is with that you know solid sales experience that you had in the field right with novo in as an me and as a area business manager in maharashtra because i know i will i work with you as well uh, you come into the head office so obviously you have to break that barrier of acceptance by the head office colleagues because you are coming in with a you know with a so called typecasting he is an executor or he is just you know he is from sales right so ye to tactical wala aadmi hai you know that kind of thing now you have to build out that credibility but absolutely it is very important that when you get into training your credibility gets more enhanced when you are from the field and you know exactly what is working and what is not working what what would you like to say about that is that true and how did, how did you did you face any initial challenges of acceptance and then you built your credibility around it how was it how was that part of the piece no absolutely i think uh, not many uh you know times people get an advantage to move from existing role to a trainer role where you go back and help others learn who are in that role so it happened with me and uh, you said it right uh, shalish that yes that was uh, actually you know a benefit uh how i built uh, credibility and acceptance yes there was challenge okay uh but credibility slowly you know it inbuilt because i spoke their language what face what difficulties they face what challenges they face what works what doesn't work what they think and believe i also came from the same belief so i inbuilt uh, in the training curriculum in the methodology of delivery uh, like for example case approaches earlier uh, i mean i'm talking about you know 2002 2000 sorry 2005 2006 when in initial years of my training profession talking from the science you know was the only part of training uh, skills uh, you know was not the real focus uh, so when i i brought in relevance saying that why skill will help you giving the examples and case studies from their own field okay people started seeing logic and i think that uh, turned out to be an advantage right. in building the credibility in building the so um, um, 
that, that's interesting observation uh, you bring in. Why this is not only unique to your previous organization, this was endemic to the industry as at that point of time. And I very well remember that skill building was not really the forefront or the front ending piece or the objective of developing capability. It was more about rote detailing, making the call the efficiency driven model rather than building for the future. So uh, was it short-sighted thinking? And now when you look as an L&D professional or was it that, no, it was probably right because the demands were that at that point of time. How would you want to respond to that, Srini? Looking back at that point of time, probably, yes, uh, industry might have not realized it, uh, uh, you know, at that time. Uh, however, uh, our industry, when we are talking about pharma industry, uh, believes in once it is established, evidence-based, when people start seeing evidence, you know, their buy-in comes in quite naturally. So uh, when I spoke the language, I wasn't aware that I was speaking this language, but I was actually speaking this language. When I bring evidences that, see, uh, having this skill has helped this person versus there is another person who is very good at understanding the product, etc., but he lacks few skills. And you can clearly see how both engage customer. Just giving you one example. Yes. And when people saw that skill matters, not just the knowledge, the focus, you know, started shifting. Yes, skill building must be, you know, uh, the priority. Skill building. Excellent. So uh, I think uh, the third important message you have said is when you see the proof of concept in action or when you see evidence, evidence. of really being uh, useful, I think then the, the momentum gathers around that initiative and people are ready to throw in their weight and say, yes, I think he's making a, a real credible point which cannot go unnoticed. I think that's also very well said. Now, I want to spend some time on, um, you know, your 14, 30, 30 and a half to 14 long years with Novo Nordisk, right? Which is the world's leader in diabetes care and perhaps even today, the most admired company in the country for diabetes care management at all levels, products, peoples, etc. So when you came into the organization and you grew in, into field training and later on training for the employees, how was your journey? How did you... Because it was a well-oiled machine, great products getting launched from time to time, people were there. How did your role build out and how did you support? If you can just let our people know, you know, that would be very nice to hear that journey. Within, within no Nordisk, uh, yes. am I right? I got yes. It right? yes. Yeah, um, being successful sales uh, first-line manager uh, was also a barrier because people want you in the, you know, same role. <laughs> So, uh, however, uh, when I moved into uh, the training role, there were uh, two, uh, you know, challenges. One, um, when we talk about managers, yes, focus of pharma has been always the reps. But if managers uh, have to be, you know, evaluated versus the importance uh, on skill building, with a skilled manager, you are able to develop eight reps, you know, considering the span on an average six to eight. Whereas a skilled rep probably, you know, adds value to customers, of course, but he doesn't influence us beyond that. So uh, skill building for uh, managers must be, uh, you know, a priority, which industry realized. It's I'm not saying we brought that realization, but as the time moved, 
industry realized and we got benefited from that so the demand started from rep focus to manager focus and we weren't prepared for it okay uh, having uh, learned how to build sales capabilities suddenly shifting gears to build managerial capabilities was not a smooth change it required some preparation so i think thanks to uh, the management of the organization which started at the corporate level you know initiatives of helping the learning professionals to learn how to you know build managerial capabilities and then execute there was a kind of preparatory time and we we had couple of initiatives which were targeted at the managers and slowly the changes started you know becoming visible in terms of manager behaviors manager behavior is so critical i'm i'm sure you you know this that when you smile you have an impact when you you know don't smile you have an impact on your team member but uh, as an individual if i don't realize the impact i am having on the other person i behave how i feel cannot be the call of a manager right. i have to behave how it is you know received okay so building that conscious uh, among uh, managers started you know bringing the results so i think that was the first challenge if i can reflect upon uh, you know after spending 2 years or so in you know sales capability development and working with some amazing uh, you know hr professionals i was i was actually blessed to be coached by some of the great hr directors who gave this perspective i was in and out a sales professional coming into sales training but if i have to develop myself as an hr professional not just as a sales training professional i think then the next 3 years of self development helped so through this i am just sending one message shelles that a learning professional who whichever industry they are they must be at the front of learning though they are discharging uh, the knowledge skill what they have to help others and that's how the role is so now actually the definition has fast changed but uh, unless and until you are learning continuously you won't be able to transfer that and you won't be able to help others learn faster right no that's a beautiful point that you put out again message number 4 is uh, you know be the change that you want to see in a way absolutely absolutely uh, because if you can't be the change agent yourself by being at the forefront of learning as you so nicely said then you cannot expect change to permeate down the you know the pyramid at the level of the employees because it is you who has to take the onus and make it happen right and that's a very valid point uh, shrinivas uh, i just wanted to ask uh, on the subject of hr professionals many organizations have lnd or you know training as a function which is solely responsible under the training person right some have some just have it as an hr as a dotted line interface whereas in other organizations you have hr and lnd working very intimately very closely because at the end of the day both are accountable for shaping the employee and training him and developing him and building him into an outstanding asset what's your take is it a joint responsibility or is it something which should be compartmentalized or how how has it been in your uh, journey what is your uh, you know thoughts around this i just wanted to hear uh, organizations different organizations have different approach but generally we see sales training as a separate function many organization have that function within sales itself right or they would bucket into sales excellence you know kind of role right right and they will also continue to have a corporate 
training team which looks into other capabilities not necessarily only sales capability right but my take is slightly different uh, you know i would like to share from my personal experience that a training person within pharma even if you are taking care of commercial capability development or sales training you will have to sail on two boats one is sales department and another is hr unless and until this team doesn't know how to connect both okay uh, it's very difficult for example only focusing on say, uh, sales training probably is most appreciated by the sales teams sales professionals sales leaders because they can see that that starts benefiting now but if the focus of the sales leaders is only now and not future we must also spend some time in building capabilities which may be utilized in times to come and when i say times to come not 5 uh, years from now 2 years from now probably a year from now if there is a high uh, potential sales professional okay yes he must be uh, you know provided more opportunity to build uh, sales capabilities because he is already potential and probably he can become a star performer okay not only in country but probably in the entire globe uh, for that company however if that person also has an ambition to uh, you know or potential to become a manager and i think keeping that in mind as an hr person if i start thinking how can i build some of the managerial competencies in this person while he is in train sorry in sales itself right. so manager training need not start once the promotion uh, happens and he you know holds the visiting card of area sales manager it can probably begin a year ago so that he utilizes this time you know because after you become manager you are accountable for eight people results and right. you don't have so much of time to learn right absolutely no i i think you put that point very well that you know uh, one is on the immediacy but one is also keeping one eye on the future right sales training is to is like a it's like batches in batches out you know because of the attrition rates that is constant at 15 20% a year and then you also need to build capabilities which is not today it's for tomorrow and beyond so you got to ensure that the hr uh, uh, through the lens they also see it in the same way as you and but i think that's a very valid point i had a question rashin was you've traveled this journey now for almost one and a half decades in pure training and lnd and you must have seen a lot of evolution or changes not just in sales training but also in marketing you know training because you interface with brand managers and organizations you have seen brand managers when you were a sales rep during cycle meetings you have seen brand managers in action when they used to come for brand planning meetings and you have been a part of it today you are sitting at at a little higher level of the pyramid where you can see the entire cross functional interaction of sales marketing training team of yours whether it, you know in biocon or no, interact very closely and build out brands which are ultimately the most important assets uh, what is it fair to say that uh, capability building of sales is very very developed you know you have training programs you have you know a lot of stuff going on first line second line this thing how is it for marketing how has it been what are your thoughts on marketing skill building or capability building as an lnd professional now i'm asking you discussion from the lnd piece not from a marketing or a bu head or an hr piece what, do you see gaps do you think some things are good some things can be improved from a pure learning and development standpoint because this is very important uh, because marketing is a very is it's a it's a uh, it's a function which is driven by a lot of skills and capabilities and talent of course 
So what's your take on that? I just thought initial thoughts around it from an L&D. Absolutely. Uh, I personally believe, uh, you know, uh, as a learning function, uh, the kind of justice we try to do for sales function, building capabilities in the sales, I wish we could do with the same intensity for marketing as well. Uh, there could be various reasons. Okay. But I, I, you know, it's my perspective. Why do I say that is if I uh, take my own personal experience, there were days when uh, marketing professionals were excelling purely based on sheer their talent. Okay. So if organization sees their talent and potential uh, to be groomed into marketing, they move into marketing and they excel in what they do and they learn on the job. But uh, designed learning, which comes from either organizations internally or external programs, which helps people build marketing capabilities came only after some time. Okay. So yes, in probably in the last one decade or so, there's so much of investment is happening in the industry. We can see that, uh, that, uh, you know, we're focusing on functional capabilities, brand building, brand planning, etc. However, I still see when I network around with marketing professionals beyond, you know, our organizations also, that while the scope is more, still the justice to, uh, you know, bridge that gap is not much. Uh, one example, one uh, organization focused on a different capability, which could be helpful for not only marketing, but anyone, say design thinking. And design thinking, of course, now it's a fashionable uh, you know, uh, word to have a cap of design thinking uh, you know, professional. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it works. But in the beginning, to have... A, probably a marketing professional understand and use it for their advantage, there wasn't buy-in immediately or in the initial stage when design thinking was still a nascent concept or a new concept. But yes, having adopted, people have started seeing the benefit and using, but still not many, not everyone. So I just plucked one example uh, to you know justify my claim that I wish we could do more justice. And I feel it's more strategic role and uh, strategic capabilities. Sometimes they are talent and, uh, you know, uh, probably it's natural to those professionals who hone uh, them over a period of time, right from their education times. Okay. It's not a quick skill which can be, you know, learned. But however, uh, we can't say that it can't be, you know, developed. You can always do efforts to develop. And I feel honestly, industry can do a little more. Uh, even in the fraternity of LD professionals, when we you know gather together, in the conversations, what we have, 90% of the time we talk about building commercial capability means sales capability. But uh, I think another big large piece under some commercial capability is marketing. So there is a scope is what my take is. Brilliant. I think uh, you've answered my question because that is always a little bit found wanting. Uh, even when we interact from an external standpoint as coaches and consultants, that it needs to be given due. And that's for 
you spoke about uh, you know functional competencies why there is also behavioral competencies of marketers yes which is not being addressed at all uh, shrini uh, about behavioral competencies for sales because you have been through all that i have been through but for marketers which is also important because he is also a customer facing function as much as a sales guy is and i think these are some of the areas where i think uh, we need a lot i would of- like to take an advice you know please please quote an example there the moment when you said this uh, something strike me i yes. had um, uh, recently a one on one conversation with a very close friend who is also a marketing professional and he mentioned about uh, how collaboration as a training not necessarily a program but the concept seeded uh, with him long time back about two years ago starts helping him now because he is not waiting he says what's the change it has made is i am not waiting to collaboration to happen i am actually working on how collaboration can happen with me in the front end so uh, and he said that excelling in uh, marketing in addition to uh, my functional capabilities while i was good at it this one behavioral uh, you know learning has helped me progress uh, you know my getting uh, sorry my work getting done because strategies at the end adds value when they are implemented absolutely and now if i am good at collaboration okay i don't end, i don't go or i don't at least look uh, to others as someone who is enforcing my ideas i know how to influence okay uh, and how to collaborate they see value in what i am saying now my work is more easier and it gets done uh, you know beautifully so this revelation when he says as a casual on the cup of tea uh, you know conversation i loved it and i suddenly remember when you mentioned about importance of uh, behavioral skill for marketing professionals absolutely shrinivas i think this is not to be honest with you effectively addressed even now in 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 the real sense because as we evolve to become digitalized organizations thanks to covid and you know prolonged we need more of the behavioral competencies coming to the fore and not just the mere functional or you know the hygiene skills it's also going to be these and i think thanks for you know concurring and actually putting your viewpoint because that really helps i you know to a large extent i want to move to the second piece of our conversation and that is uh, you know the last 18 months of covid right has brought about so much of a dramatic change in the way we operate as an industry and it has affected the companies it has affected the functions you have seen being a veteran sales guy you know everything the sales model itself i was forced to change customers could not get called upon you know the entire calling model went for a toss and as a result you know marketers were forced to uh, adopt the non physical or the digital means to reach customers right same thing sales calls were made in the digital world and so you had them making calls on whatsapp you made them have calls on you know digital mediums like ipads etc and trying to deliver the messages uh the the only objective of organizations was maintain sales continuity as much as possible try and call on customers and things have obviously you know been shaping as we move along in the first and second wave and it has impacted all of us uh my uh, i have not asked lnd people and this is why i wanted to ask you this question how much was lnd or training impacted by this massive covid-19 thing in the last one and a half years 
did were they also forced to undergo coaching obviously trainings had to go online etc but what were the challenges you and your team in biocon faced and how did you you know some major challenges uh, obviously and how did you overcome them and what's been your learnings you know and how are you preparing yourself for you know uh, encountering them better or maybe so that if it ever happen again i just wanted to hear your some thoughts around this if you have something to share yeah uh i think covid has not left anyone uh, you know uh, unchanged <laughs> everyone <laughs> is changed so so is the fraternity uh, however uh, in my view the biggest impact has been yes you you already called out that that we had to move everything uh, you know from face to face because that's the favorite uh, platform for engaging with our customers that is internal employees when everything went uh, you know virtual that is actually the biggest challenge which we had faced there is uh, no shy in telling that we weren't trained to be as effective as we are on dais to be similar effective uh, you know professionals on virtual platform so the first 3 to 5 months was not easy we had to you know do it. we did mistakes but hopefully uh, me and my colleagues we learned our lessons very fast company was quite supportive so we i think learned over to come and we also got on to new newer platforms we used to use a slight older platforms and uh, our technology team helped us to get to the platforms which are advanced and uh, now helping us to deliver flawlessly any intervention learning intervention whether it is knowledge building whether it is even skill building okay we can do actually experiential workshops wow okay uh, using online platforms you can split them into group you can build uh, whiteboards and uh, you know get them write on their thoughts get the people to interact i i still not say that uh, you know it's same as uh, you know real face to face but uh, yes it is far better than when we were in the you know initial phase of uh, lockdowns you know remembering april may june of you know 2020 so uh, i think that's been uh, the message uh, which uh, you know i have learned and I, i don't have any hesitation in sharing that that's you know yeah. <laughs> important uh, uh, challenge which we faced and uh, it continues to be it continues to be hopefully now we might be able to go back to normal but however interestingly there is a feeling that there are also advantages of operating on virtual platform I mean, just simply every time you don't have to travel if we can do meetings and interactions virtually then we can weigh where actually we need to travel and meet where we can do it. so i think that's one outcome which uh, which i was trying to influence earlier say hey can we do this digital while we were not equipped but we saw that vendors were quite equipped and they could help us do it beautifully but um, uh, but the the belief of not only me having a, you know feeling that it's important to meet face to face even leaders believe that meeting face to face has its own impact so now the change is you know they can see that virtual also works so you know they are okay to blend and you know prioritize where we actually need to have face to face and where we can continue so i think that's the outcome which is beautiful in the last one and a half to two years last one and a half amazing that's a nice uh, that's that's the way i think most of the uh, people have learned forced forced to learn actually it was a forced change yeah. upon by us 
because we never anticipated it. It landed one day on May, March 23rd, and it was quite a bit of a hectic skelter for all of us. And we learned to manage that, right? Okay. One minute, Srinivas. I think there's a lot of sunlight here, and I'll just pull this out. My room faces the west, and so right now I'm having tremendous amount of sunlight. And so I said, let me just pull in. Ah, that's better now, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, I I want to pick your thoughts around, uh, you know, the uh, how do I say learning as uh, a key personal trait rather than just as a function of an organization. Why I say this? All pharma companies have now, you know, institutionalized L and D, that is learning and development, and it is supposed to, you know, perform the function of equipping the knowledge, skills, everything for the uh, person. Um, I have a slightly different view, Srinivas, and I want to just pick your mind on this. Is learning today a responsibility of only the organization to provide, or as you rightly said? it has to be self driven also to allow why i say this is because i speak to my colleagues in different industries like fmcg retail etc and the lnd professionals there have kind of radicalized the whole lnd piece in a sense they believe that learning has to be self driven self pursuit you know and today nobody can complain of lack of access to knowledge and skills building yes today, the web is got millions of sites i mean i know people regularly getting certified on platforms like linkedin coursera edx unacademy udemy so on and so forth to improve their own professional uh, you know visibility plus better job prospects but also organizations say hey you know what we don't have the time to train you maybe because we have to get this and so you get trained yourself and so many organizations are actually providing learning allowances days off from work etc these are radical things which are happening as an lnd specialist and that too in pharma whom we are still moving you know slowly in that do you think this can work what's your thoughts around this radical piece of thinking you know you know do you encourage first of all your employees to get certified on these platforms other than your own in-house programs how is it how is the scene right now in pharma i just thought of asking you no uh, lnd itself is uh, under change and one of the significant change is you know what you actually say i would use other words to same same uh, tell the same story earlier the learning professional were required to be trainer means you facilitate learning right or you provide learning not only facilitate but provide learning but now you don't have to be a trainer you should know where the learning sources are and what are the needs of the learners and the key capacity required for the learning facilitator is to help them connect so uh, this can happen only if the learner are you know have understood first of all what they want and are open to uh, you know self learning because a uh, lot of time in the past and even uh, presently a lot of time is spent in having someone help others learn so there is a mindset which going to take some time to change completely you know move from someone is helping me to learn to learn on my own 
so during this change time probably we may have to use both okay say for example younger generation if you see people in you know early 20s or late uh, 20s this generation is quite tech savvy they also believe that learning should be short span 21 days of induction takes their mind off we still have that okay but i can see that how they receive or not receive such a long duration program versus someone who is tenured and he has worked already with different companies and joins you know another organization or our organization how he receives this long tenured programs so i i just picked up the duration of the course as one of the example and how generations differ so similarly younger generations are ready to learn on their own if provided the opportunities but tenured people uh, you know they still look for guidance okay for them uh, important learning is where there is a specialist who comes and you know helps us learn from the knowledge he dons on so uh, while this change is happening i think uh, pharma industry what best they can do is they can first focus upon the learning professionals itself you know we should be trained on how to move from the first june to second june and also cultural change if leaders start believing that yes this is the new trend and we must encourage if they take the decision i think uh, you know collaboratively we can bring that change in the organizations which is happening now i'm happy to say that it is happening also with us but i can also see not only in this company but in in the company where i work but also across the other industries they are picking up uh, shorter duration programs which are self learning modules maybe 20% of the learning is now self paced self paced right self paced modular paced do it at your own pace get yourself certified like had happens in coursera and edx and these are helpful right would you agree these are helpful they are very helpful they are very helpful uh another advantage is uh, many of them allow you to go and use that resource again and again okay. maybe yes. you are certified but that lesson is available for you whereas if facilitator goes off may not be available again yes so this is what i have not realized this is what participant tells me right i have put my on my linkedin that i have completed the certification but honestly sir i have learned only 30% what i do is i visit that module again and again so that the remaining 70% i learn in next one week so very uh, beautifully he said but i think it's a message uh, from that experience that yes uh, people are accepting and there are advantages of self paced learning yeah absolutely and that's i think a probably a food for thought for tra- trainers and for lnd specialists to build different curriculum that factors this in you know going back and doing it and providing him the ease of comfort so that he can do it at his own pace rather than just going through a structured intervention time and again you know fact, having a, a three full days training okay uh, calling everyone uh, to attend the training yes i'm not saying no but at least one question should come uh, when the professional training professional or learning professional is designing such programs that is this group on this topic is this the best model or can i think of an alternative exactly exactly no that's beautiful i think maybe a hybrid model of maybe a pre read that goes off as a physical form plus an online and then a follow up through a physical one so you employ all the three actually in one go because the objectives can then be met no i think so you know it's happy to hear a, a person like you have open thoughts around this whole lnd piece and the various you know platforms that can be used digital virtual whatever it is 
because that brings me to my next question, which I'm sure you would love to answer. And that is, how much are we really driving innovation in L&D function? See, we've been all been through, at least me and you are at the same age, we've been through classroom training. Chalo, yaar, 20 beto, uh, shaam, detailing karo, customer call, all that stuff. That era has passed. Then we have, you know, short-term duration trainings, induction for a week to 10 days, refresher trainings, capsular trainings, follow-up through, you know, modules from the training managers, regional trainers, etc. Slowly, digital interventions are also coming. So the skills of trainers are also undergoing a change. But essentially, innovation has not been keeping pace, according to me, I, I pardon me, like, you know, new skills, like, for example, storytelling. Such an important piece you know, I'm sure you will understand, which is re required today as a fundamental skill, because what's your story? That's what marketers need to understand, salespeople need to understand, and L&D people need to equip with that. Any thoughts around this new skills, you know, building in terms of capability, because you are a capability building lead for your organization. I thought of asking you this. I don't know if I've asked the right question. Oh, wow. Actually, the question is so right, uh, or so exciting that I have so many things to share. So, uh -huh. <laughs> please go ahead. <laughs> so, I'm going to take a little time to take one by one. Oh, all, all yours. Yeah, yeah. So, the, the first speed innovation within uh, learning function. Uh, as I witness and as I network within the you know fraternity, uh, people are innovating. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of innovation. Otherwise, adoption of digital for learning would have not happened. Just one of the examples. But uh, in my personal uh, you know, story, I would like to share one example that say, for example, last year or two years ago, if I have to achieve one goal of building verbal communication skill for a group of 25 people, what would I have done? Okay, so I would have planned either an internal or an external training of someone who can you know, provide some tools and techniques for field people who could learn you know, few aspects which can enhance their verbal communication effectiveness. After that, probably after two days or one day or whatever, we would have given them some exercise which they can try on their own. Okay, to be very honest, two years ago, maybe I would have also done the same thing. But uh, two days means 18 hours of training, uh, maybe similar hours of journey, travel to, you know, gather at one place. So 18 into 18, 36 of hours of investment of the participant. Now, simple uh, innovation need not be big, you know, small innovations. So uh, due to COVID, okay, I'm agreeing, this had to be worked out on virtual platform. And we tapped in and, uh, with a facilitator. We co-created a model which do not focus on every aspect of verbal communication because it's a, you can have a six-month training. <laughs> so expecting 25 people change their verbal communication, uh, you know, uh, in few days is probably a miracle. But still, we did two hours, three modules. Monday before you start the work, Saturday after you end the work, and again, some other Saturday or a Monday when before you start the work. They interacted with uh, in a facilitator who had built-in content absolutely customized for specific needs of field man. I mean, because we are advantage of having those people as an audience. So six hours there, but every week they came back 
with some experience saying i tried this i tried this virtually for 30 minutes 30 minute interaction weekly for next 4 weeks another 2 hour totally 6 hours and out of 25 17 of them significantly you know they could show the change in their approach okay in two techniques okay it will get too elaborate if i tell what what are the two techniques but two techniques if they use they would be effective that's how we trained them and they learned it they picked it up they applied and they came back with results saying this is happening and in one of the call even their managers were there they said yes 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 my boy actually did this and we have this customer converted only because he tried this technique so what i could have achieved two years ago with and you know i'm not saying redundant methodology it is still powerful face to face will not go out but with small modifications i think small innovations has yielded with just 6 hours of interaction you know and learning we have now a beautiful results okay so i'm talked about small innovation now another question uh, another element in your question was uh, uh, storytelling okay that's uh, that's a you know my favorite topic nowadays uh, why why because um, i have been trying to you know kind of influence leaders um, not only within organization but outside also in my friend circle to pick up storytelling as uh, you know a powerful leadership skill because the messaging what can happen we still remember our grandmother stories okay but probably we, we might miss what my colleague has said a week back so the impact is so long lasting because it the message was delivered in a story form as simple as that no big brains needed to get this point but it is not so easy to uh, pick up stories which can you know deliver the message what you want to tell to your team so i will try to pursue this endeavor i've just started uh, if 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 uh, leaders pick up this skill of storytelling i think their communications are going to be more powerful uh, more effective in terms of one key message they want to drive to their employees so uh, if if i succeed in future in this i think that itself will also be a innovation because this is something which is not asked for generally the training team delivers which is evidently seen as the need or it is asked for so if it is not now but i hope uh, with times if we achieve probably this will be the next leaf in innovation within lnd yes no i think uh, shrinivas um, you have really hit the nail on the head and what's taken my attention completely is that how uh, a seemingly innocuous innovation of making the learning modular intervention online as 2 hours before 2 hours after on a saturday and again to us six hours compared to the traditional model of 36 hours of you know two full days 9 plus 9 18 from your side and 18 from their side one sixth exactly one sixth of that time is a huge time saving huge cost saving but more importantly what struck me hard and honestly speaking is the level of delta that you are able to achieve in terms of people with speed implementing it seeing the results because that is also very important 
is very, very real time and useful for the organization. And I think that is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, say, um, you know, if you are a CEO, probably 10 years ago, uh, your call was get our people good training. But uh, CEOs have gone ahead and today this call is not only get the good training, so what afterwards? How it has benefited? Yes. So that is pushing for innovation. Yes. And the speed with which you're doing it is also very far because you want to develop a competitive advantage, you know, against your competitor. Like you said, right? And the, the manager has said he's converted that customer using that skill. So the deployment of that skill was faster because you spent one sixth the time. One sixth time, yes. And so the results are, yeah, and, and it's amazing, right? And I think this could be a pilot which you can actually accelerate it down the organization in all across businesses, which is a food for thought for marketers as to why. Otherwise, only traveling or only physical is not really required at times. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, forced uh, innovations. Uh, yes, we agree that uh, there was a force behind uh, why we came up virtual, but yes, there is a learning for everyone uh, from this story, including me. Absolutely. Great. That brings me to the last piece of our conversation, Srinivas. It's been an absolute amazing conversation I've had with you in your journey so far and how you've evolved as a, from a trainer to a skill builder to a capability builder and now you head up commercial capability building. Uh, if you could just allude as to what's your current role in Biocon Biologics in terms of commercial capability building for sales, marketing, etc. You know, so how are you playing the front-ending role? It would be very nice to hear. Yeah. Currently, I'm uh, responsible. Commercial capability building uh, works at uh, sales capability, marketing capability, and also allied capabilities, which helps, uh, you know, to build these two. That is, for example, manager's capability. So we primarily are working uh, this year with focus on sales and managerial capability because our priority is uh, to help the professionals succeed there with frequent changes what they face. You know, uh, one of the change, of course, uh, as you know, everyone knows that face-to-face -face time with customer is less now. And it also, even if it is less, it's not very, uh, you know, efficiently uh, being able to manage with uh, 30 second 20 second calls so digital platform has come up with the solution but people still need to know how to use it uh, well so we are focusing on there and uh, our end is uh, you know that so that people become more effective in engaging customers and uh, we seen as professionals because we truly believe that we are professionals and we help our customers uh, you know kind of manage the patients and their disease and disorders we are not someone who just come there to sell a product or supply a product. So there is a huge difference between this approach and that approach. And when we want to be real professional there, I think you will have to display those professional uh, skills in the shortest period of time of interaction. So that's our first focus. Second, uh, yes, managers, I think either make or break. Uh, it's all-time favorite. Uh, it, it's never out of fashion. But we are revisiting uh, you know, this piece of manager capability building not because uh, there is some challenge, but because we want them to upscale. They're good how they can be better. The, the ones who are better, how they can be, you know, best. So the manager capability building should never have a pause. It must be continuous so that with changing times, they know how to deal with those, uh, you know, changes uh, in their respective team and marketplace. 
so these are some of the areas uh, which we are working and uh, we very passionate uh, you know as a as an organization and we want to see results uh, through our endeavor excellent shrinivas and that brings me to the last question i always ask this this is my favorite question i reserve for the last which is which makes our lnd and even business heads pause and reflect and and uh, i'm going to ask you that question is your function by the very inherent nature is meant for upskilling upscaling reskilling people with new skill sets and competencies and make them learn new facets of how to do business better uh, do you also focus on what to unlearn along with what to learn because unlearning many of the old things is so very important which doesn't hold any place in tomorrow's world which is going to be very different so sometimes does your team and you reflect hey are these skills really required in today's times or we can do away with so unlearning helps like for example in marketing a lot of the concepts are getting unlearned and newer skill sets are getting added along the way you know so is that something you also get time to pause and reflect upon shrinivas yeah as you said this question definitely puts people into thought and it has put me all <laughs> yeah. but uh, as usual i would not hesitate in telling what i actually feel right. not many times uh, you know people spend time uh, including me in uh, realizing what must be unlearned because uh, till we make space for uh, you know new things by eliminating old we yes. will not have much scope for learning new yes so uh, we must do that that's my you know one claim but what we have done if i if i just see uh, past i think one uh, without saying we have to unlearn this you know uh, it has happened and uh, that uh, is uh, probably the point has come uh, in the past uh, in few questions which we have interacted that over dependency on face to face training yeah uh, yes technology is there and pharma had adopted uh, from early 2010 uh, and uh, you know in the last 7 8 years every pharma organizations have e learning modules you know i'm not saying no to that that's already happening but to what percentage it was limited to 10% 15% 20% max but when we were pushed to 100% okay <laughs> digital learning uh, it has uh, left us uh, with a great learning that yes it can be done going forward probably i feel there would be a blended learning and uh, that itself i think is an example of unlearning uh, you know uh, yes we didn't stand up and say hey listen we must unlearn and learn it happened but at least we must be now humble enough to say that this is now the time to accept it and move forward move forward no i think it said very beautifully yes so it's happened on its own and that's how seamlessly it works and i think um, and it's as for all functions which are in value creation i always tell my clients and my colleagues and like you the marketing sales training lnd are all value creation functions for an organization because you're skilling people you're deploying them with processes you're taking them to the next level of capacity and capability so it's value creation and in the whole process of value creation for the employee we also need to do away or unlearn a lot of things because they don't really they actually detract value rather than adding value so you can't hope to add value if you don't take away some stuff otherwise it gets too you know uh, conflicting at times and that's why the point in time is you reflect 
and say, is this making sense for the business? And that's why that question was for you, Srinivas. Great question. Thanks no, for no, putting thank into thought. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, my, it's just my pleasure to have you on this uh, on our series, uh, Srinivas, because I always wanted you to come as our esteemed guest because you bring in a lot of rich wealth of experience in sales and now in L&D and training development. And uh, I've seen you, you know, from the scratch and it's been a fantastic journey that you've had and I've had the to see you grow and evolve. So it was very much my desire to have you. Thank you so much for being a part of our series today. And before we sign off, because it's exactly an hour to the uh, episode, any last closing messages to our audience, you know, for marketeers and salespeople, BU heads, they are our prime audience. Your closing messages from an L&D standpoint, sales standpoint, whatever it is from learning, if you can share with our audience, it'll be very nice. Uh, yeah, I think one uh, message I definitely want to share yes. that uh, while organization does the best to provide opportunities to learn, okay, there's also equal uh, responsibility. You know, the moment people think it is serious learning, okay, it must be done. You know, it takes away steam from actually the purpose. So if they, nothing like having uh, 10 participants who are eager to learn then, uh, you know, the outcome would be beautiful. Not only both will enjoy, learner will enjoy, facilitator will enjoy, but the best part is the outcome, you know, will be amazing. So, uh, there is necessity to learn, not just from L&D, okay, for your own career, for your own aspirations to be met. There is definitely need for learning. And if this becomes conscious among, uh, you know, the employees, the leaders, not only for them, but for their team members also. So if one step the organization puts forward to provide opportunities, I think two steps, you know, it would be favorable to have from the receiver's end. And I think that is a, probably a best example of collaborating and adding value out of it. Gone are the days when organization is happy to say, we have done this training, this training, this training, because there is always a question, so what? Okay, beautiful, we have done so much, so what? The answer to so what can come only if, you know, both need and what is provided is, uh, you know, matched. Yes. Uh, also a message for learning professionals that they must be constantly looking for identifying what is actually would be of value for our audience. Not push through something which is, you know, mundane, uh, already known or just a little bit of learning. So we can, I think, uh, unlearn that aspect making every learning mandatory. It has to be, you know, okay, 10%, 5% of learning could be mandatory, compliance, blah, 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 those aspects. But the learning has, uh, you know, the best outcomes can be achieved if uh, both are, you know, kind of coming with interest. And I think that's the best example of collaboration. And I seek one day we see, <laughs> you know, that ideal situation. Uh, yes, uh, accepting reality, it won't be ideal, but both can try and understand each other. I think uh, that's my, uh, you know, uh, piece of thought. Thank you so much, Srinivas, for your closing messages. I think they are very relevant, very apt for our audience. Uh, because like you, I fundamentally have always believed in this premise that learning never stops. Because the day learning stops, you know, you stop growing, actually. So learning is an eternal process till the last day. And I think, uh, uh, you know, and as your second important, what you said is, 
it's not just a responsibility to the organization. It's also the fire within the person to learn newer things and shape himself to be more competent and more capable. You've, you've said that so beautifully. Thank you so much, Srinivas. It was a pleasure, a real pleasure having you on our series today and sharing your thoughts. Uh, I wish you well. And uh, once again, a sincere thank you from me and from my organization. Thanks to you also. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, sharing. You know, it's always good feeling to share what you feel. And not many times we get an opportunity and uh, you, know, you provide it. I'm very happy to share what I feel. Thank you so much, Shalesh. Pleasure is Thank all. Thank you, Srinivas. The pleasure is all mine. Stay safe, stay connected, and we'll meet soon. Bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.